Uh, returning to Radio Parallax is Trina Ray, an astronomer with the Cassini mission down at NASA's Jet Propulsion Laboratory in Pasadena. Welcome back, Trina Ray. Thank you very much, Doug. Glad to be here. Now, uh, we last spoke when uh, when Cassini went into orbit around Saturn, and it was planned that it would make a rendezvous back with the exciting moon of Titan, and that took place a few weeks ago. Oh, it did, October 26th, and it was, it was a big, long orbit. In fact, uh, it's the longest orbit that we'll have in the entire tour. So it was a nice chance for the team to catch their breath headed into, uh, you know, it's going to be a very exciting four years, but in particular, our very first flyby. Yeah, we should explain now that the first, the first orbit is a long elliptical one, and now it's tightening up and going to get closer. Every time, exactly. Yeah. So the first one was about 100 days. Second orbit is going to be about 60 days, and about 30 days after that, and towards the end of the mission, we do 16-day orbits. So, so well, this, this is exciting stuff. Titan... Uh, was all over the headlines. The first good, uh, clear images came when you got within 1,200 kilometers of the surface. W what did you guys see? It was so exciting. Let me kind of tell you how the night went, because that was sort of what was interesting for us. As you know, when Voyager flew by, they had all these mosaics, and they had all these terrific observations set up of Titan, and all they got was an orange ball, <laughs> because they couldn't right. see through the smog. Right. So we've been really thinking since then, it's, it's been like 25 years since Voyager flew by, what are we going to do when we get there? And they had two plans of attack. One of them was to put special filters on board the spacecraft that look in a very narrow wavelength of light that we know will penetrate to the surface. Yeah. And that was verified with ground-based observations. And and that, that worked pretty well, didn't it? And it worked terrific. Yeah. So all the images that you saw where you saw sort of the whole you know, hemisphere of Titan and saw all of the dark splotches and light splotches, that all came from one of our many cameras on board the spacecraft. We have, we have two cameras that can see down to the surface. The imaging system can see down to the surface, and the visual and infrared mapping spectrometer can see down to the surface. Right. And then we also have a second way of seeing to the surface, which is very similar to what we used when we, when we did the Magellan mission around Venus, which is radar. You point the giant high-gain antenna, which looks like the big uh, you know, uh, satellite dish at the top of the uh -huh. spacecraft. You point that at Titan, and you send a signal down, and the bounce comes back and you are able to peer right through the clouds. But the problem there, not the problem, the challenge there, is that you only get this tiny little strip. Right. Yeah. You know, less than 1% of, um, of the surface of, of, of Titan. So that night, here we are, we've got both of these instruments working. So we'd spent the whole day, you know, so uh -huh. we don't listen to the spacecraft during, while it's doing all its observations because it's, the high-gain antenna is pointed away from the Earth, so you just have to sit and wait. Okay. And about 6.30 that night, Tuesday night, October 26th, you know, we're waiting. Spacecraft comes online, and all the data starts flowing, so we know we didn't safe. We know that the spacecraft managed to safely navigate the, the sequence, and then the images started flowing, and the images came first because we did imaging on the way in. Mm -hmm. And then the... Um, the radar came later, and it just, over the course of the evening, it was just, wow. And, it, you know, all these, here are all these scientists in the world that have spent years, they're, they're you know, they're super specialists on the sure. geology of the outer solar system, and they're all looking at these pictures, and they're all saying, huh, I don't recognize a thing. <laughs> <laughs> you know, there's, there's no craters. There's, right. only, there's only a few craters that we can tell, and so the, the surface is clearly very young. Um, 
the surface is very splotchy. There's some white splotches and some dark splotches. And my understanding that that is just really at this point a mystery. It really is just a mystery. Isn't that great, though? Well, I mean, it to is. be at this point, and it's just really a mystery. Because you're going to get more. You're going to get more snapshots here, and I guess. Uh, I guess you're back this quickly, December 13th, you're exactly. back again. Exactly. We, we come back again on December 13th, and essentially we do the same flyby again, uh, where we have, um, but this time we don't have any radar. We just do the optical remote sensing all the way in and all the way out. And we get uh, a little bit of stereo, which will be, which will be nice. Sure. Because if you have two, um, two flybys where you have sort of a similar thing, you can sort of do a, a stereo picture where you can get some sense of depth. Because right now, when you look at Titan with your eyes, and you look at these pictures, your eyes are interpreting the dark splotches and light splotches that it wants to interpret it as shadows. Yeah. And really, you know, it's what it is. We don't know exactly what's going on. I mean, we know we're seeing to the surface, but it's not necessarily uh, shadows. So, you know, a sharp edge might not necessarily be the shadow of a mountain or something like that. You're kind of in the same circumstance I gathered, like at Mars. For years, they drew maps of Mars showing dark areas, light areas, and then when they finally we finally got a close-up look, we realized those did not correlate to surface structures. You know, that is the best analogy. I've, in fact, used that myself. That's an outstanding analogy. We are at the same point in the Titan exploration that we were with Mars in the early 70s. We've We've gotten there, we've taken some pictures, and what we've revealed is new and different, and we don't know quite what to make of it yet. And so we, it's kind of like a book. You're reading the book. Every time you turn the page, you learn a little bit more information, but you don't really know the full story until you're at the end of the book. But that Mars analogy is terrific. That's exactly where we are. Now, you guys are looking for, uh, very intently looking for seas, uh, lakes, oceans, perhaps, of hydrocarbons, and the jury is still out on that one. The jury is definitely out on that one. There are some strong observations taken from the Earth that would indicate that uh, there should be uh, the occasional lake uh, and, and sea of hydrocarbon on, on, on Titan. And we have no definitive evidence from the orbiter observations one way or the other yet. But that will build up over time. Uh, every time we fly by Titan, like I said, if we do a radar pass, we only get 1% of the surface. And if we do, uh, once, you know, over time, we build up the whole map of Titan. Like, for example, this time, we only got one hemisphere as so we flew in. Yeah. So it takes time. And so over time, we'll be able to, to, be able to answer that a little bit better. And, and hopefully we'll be able to catch the sunlight glinting yeah. off the liquid surface, a specular reflection. And that would be, you know, that's sort of, you know, uh, one of those proof positive moments. Well, if we get that, that's really, that's really positive. And also the, um, the, uh, the radar uh, experiment can also do what's called altimetry, which is sort of like sonar with a sub, sure. where they send down a ping and they get the exact altitude uh, or range distance between the spacecraft and the surface. And then they just track that over the surface. So, you know, if you're going across the United States, you'd go across California and then into Death Valley and then up over the mountains. So you get this little profile of the height of the surface. And that's what we're looking for at Titan. We did that a little bit on TA, and the surface is quite flat. Um, not liquid flat, but, you know, plus or minus 50 meters. That, yeah, flatter than you thought. That's not a lot of mountains or anything yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah. And another thing that happened, oh, you know, I could go on and on, Doug, but another thing that happened <laughs> <laughs> was we sniffed the atmosphere. We had one uh, instrument on board the spacecraft, the ion and neutral mass spectrometer, mm -hmm. whose job it was during the Titan A flyby to turn the spacecraft in the direction that we're flying, in the, what we call the RAM direction, and, and sample in, in situ the upper, upper fringes of Titan's atmosphere. And Titan's atmosphere, as you know, is very thick. It's about one and a half times the thickness sure, yeah. of Earth's. 
And so they just swooped right through there, and they sampled the atmosphere, and they've uh, been working on that, and they're going to give a big report to the project next week. I gather, I gather the fingerprint evidence is that, uh, that it actually must have, ha- must have had a much thicker atmosphere in the past. Well, you know, there's, they go back and forth. Okay. Uh, you know, some of them say, okay. well, you, we should have had more outgassing in the past, and it should be thinner now and because of escaping. And some of them say, well, no, because it's so cold, it, it, it should be thicker now than later or thicker before. So I think the, the jury's still out on that one. Well, the but, really, the really truly exciting thing, I think, if I can speak for, for, for Jet <laughs> Propulsion Laboratory about, uh-huh. about Titan, is that you guys are going to drop a probe in in January. Oh, yeah. And we're, and we're ramping up for that, too. So what we do is we swing around here now. We do the 60-day orbit for TB, which is an orbiter flyby. And uh, when we fly by Titan on January 13th, we set up uh, uh, the, probe, the probe release. So then the next orbit is only about 30 days. But in that 30 days, we fly out, and we're actually on a trajectory impact with Titan. Uh, because the probe has to impact Titan. So okay. we actually are on a collision course with Titan. Okay. We release the probe on Christmas Day of then, this year. Oh, yeah. And then we do a big deflection maneuver so that the orbiter In other words, fire the, the rockets. Exactly. We Whoa. Fly, because we don't want to hit Titan. No. <laughs> <laughs> so we've got a big deflection maneuver that we do uh, to make to, so that the orbiter doesn't hit Titan. And then, um, then the probe mission happens on January 14th. Now, the probe mission, this is uh, the Huygens probe is in partnership with us. It's the European Space Agency created uh, this probe, and it's got six instruments on board, and it's got a two-hour mission as it drifts through the Titan atmosphere. And So will the Europeans be monitoring this, or will JPL or both? Uh, uh, the Europeans will be monitoring it, and JPL will just have a sort of a live feed to their, to, to their stuff. Oh, so it's their so, baby. Right, it's their baby. So it's all coming out of uh, Darmstadt. Okay. On Germany. So okay. uh, we'll, all be watching, we'll all be watching the European uh, feed very uh, with with quite a bit of anticipation here. Well, we'll be we'll be watching it here at Radio Parallax with some anticipation and hope. Trina Ray, you'll come back and and follow things as they develop. Absolutely, absolutely, Doug. I'm happy to do it. Well, before we go, I just want to put one point. We don't get a, a chance often to explain that our name Parallax comes from the fact that two different views can give you a sort of a 3D look at the world, and this has been done by spacecraft before. Yes, it has, and it's been done by by spacecraft. It's been done by people. It's been done by telescopes. It's a terrific mechanism for determining actually the distances to things. And you'll be doing it uh, on the very next probe, the very oh, next pass. Yeah, we're. I tell you, we're so excited here. <laughs> and, you know, the spacecraft is behaving so so spectacularly. You know, we're just the spacecraft is healthy and it's just clocking away on all these exciting things and. And uh, we're just really happy here. Well, we can tell the excitement in your voice, and it's. I think it's somewhat infectious. So well, we're all we're all we're all kind of stoked. Terrific. So we'll we'll talk about it again. Okay. All right, Trina. Thanks. No problem. See you next time. Our thanks again to Dr. Cyril Wecht, Trina Ray from JPL, and activist Michael Feliciano. We look forward to talking to you again next Thursday at 5 o'clock. You've been listening to Radio Parallax. Join us on next week's program. With any luck, we will have Bev Harris from Black Box Voting. We'll talk about election 2004 and the, quote, conspiracy theory, unquote, that the votes uh, may have been miscounted. The evidence for wrongdoing seems pretty persuasive to me. Was it enough to change the election? I don't know, but we certainly should take a look at it. This program was produced by Edward McMillan. Now, stay tuned for Todd.